Welcome to The Tailored Quill. I'm Taylor Wilkins, and I hope you enjoy today's perspective. Alrighty, g'day guys. Brandon Clift here from The Tailored U, and I am joined by my longtime great friend, best buddy, business partner, strategic ally, I don't know, we, we wear a couple hats in our relationship, but one of my best friends on the planet, Taylor Wilkins, and mate, tell us a little bit about yourself. As always, I am like figuring out technology as we're starting everything, so it's good, good start. Um, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, for all of you, my name's Taylor, and I'm the founder and creator of The Tailored Quill, and then co-creator of The Tailored You, which is an online education and coaching community to help people see what value they bring to the world just by being themselves. We create, we have educational aspects to it. We have group coaching aspects to it. It's got this really awesome growing community to it that we're excited about. But Brandon and I, and for me in particular, with the Tailored Quill, my goal in life is to help people see themselves in a completely new light. I wanted them to see that their lives can be different that they can have a different level of choice and power over their lives in and amongst all of the struggles and the challenges that the world presents, which we're going to talk about. But um, Brandon and I just, you know, we have so many people who are coming to us asking our take on current events and the world and just like what they should do with their lives. And I, I always get like the clients that I always get are the ones who come to me saying, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You know, feeling like they don't have any kind of direction. And Brandon and I were just talking about a theme for this year is this sense of mass hysteria, the sense of confusion of in and amongst fear and anxiety and nervousness and angst and loneliness and isolation and sadness and everything else and anxiety that people are just straight up confused. They don't know what to do and they feel lost or they'll feel, they feel stuck and without direction. So we thought we would, as Brandon likes to say, step out of our tailored you mansion to, uh, <laughs> to speak a little more unscriptedly on our take on things and offer our voice in a new and casual, comfortable way on a nice Friday. And I'm Brandon Clift. <laughs> I, um, yes, Brandon, please introduce yourself. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm also a uh, co-founder and contributor of the Tailored U. And I believe that what we do better than anything at the Tailored U is we make self-awareness sexy. Self-awareness is the new six-pack, if you ask me. And just ask any woman you know, what's the most attractive thing you see in a man? And I'll say self-awareness, vice versa. And so I, I really, jokes aside, I really love the work that Taylor and I are doing together. And a lot of the work we do is putting together courses and videos and lessons for our community to help them better understand grief, shame, understanding their gifts, their goal. Like there's such a myriad of kind of psychology elements and Jungian elements to it that we that we love to play around with and help our guide our clients through their journey of life because i believe that in these crazy hysterical confusing times we can't always depend on the external world to keep us safe and prop us up i believe it's that self-awareness allows us the ability to plant a foot on the ground 
and at least be able to stay grounded in some form or fashion so that we can pivot and look at our options when another four years of, you know, and there's a new president or another four years of the current president or, you know, a new pandemic or wildfires or all this stuff. And, and so that's why we want to come together and have these conversations because we spend so much time making curated content. We don't have a lot of time just to kind of just free flow and riff on stuff. And so something Taylor and I've wanted to do for a long time. And without further ado, we will get started with two dudes who coach stuff. Um, so, so that, I am, that probably, I am, that probably is going to become the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be the name. <laughs> Taylor's yeah, like, <laughs> I love it. It's fine. It's fine. I love so, it. So the funny, but before we begin the funny, the cool thing, Brandon, that, you know, I think, you, know, you have you have a lot of experience with podcasts and things and I've only I'm pretty new to the video and podcast game just because I've always worked one on one kind of in the shadows with people in my work. And uh, it's been really flattering to see that a lot of people love hearing us just have conversations like we've literally had people say we would pay money just to sit in an audience and watch you and you and Taylor and Brandon and Taylor sit on a stage and just chat so this is just going to be fun because I know that we have fun talking and riffing off of each other. So I hope people yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Bingo. And you know what? This isn't for anyone else. All of you guys watching, this isn't for you. <laughs> this is for us. This is our catch up time. <laughs> <laughs> Missed all the craziness we have in our weeks, but, <laughs> but that we're, is such, <laughs> we're such entrepreneurs. We're like, let's catch up and let's make it into a piece of content video and then let's sell it. <laughs> <laughs> For free. <laughs> yeah. So I've known Taylor for over a year now and I've worked closely with him for the majority of that time. And one thing that I really admire about you, Taylor, is I have no idea what your political leanings are. I have no idea what your thoughts are on what's happening in the world. I have no idea your opinion on COVID. It's, I, admire that so much because so many people that I meet and so many people that I see on social media seem to find or promote their identity from some opinion or some group of opinions from a certain sect of the population. Mm. You know, I'm a ardent red Republican or I'm a you know, proud blue um, liberal. Like people seem to first and foremost, their first impressions are who they vote for, what their beliefs are, in what's happening in the world, how they think the government should run things, how they think COVID should be handled. And it's like, cool, it's good to see that you're proud of something or believe in something, but I actually have no idea who you are, what you're about, what your beliefs are. And I've had friends ask me, I've got friends that are like super hard right wings and super left left wings. And they'll say, how can you be friends with a Trump supporter? And it's like, well, first of all, I probably, you know, I, I don't care like to that degree or level. I care more about their actions, how they turn up in the world. I don't, I don't, and I don't know enough about their degree of their support for whichever political party. I don't know enough about it. I haven't asked many questions about it. I'm watching how they treat other people. I'm watching how they move through the world. That's what I care about. And so when people ask me about my opinions of the world, for the most part, it's kind of like, well, I, I think we should get back to loving each other more. <laughs> I hate to see that there's a huge divide yeah. between people. I hate to see that, that there's, there is a left and a right. 
really two people that two sides of the coin that hate each other so much yet if there was a venn diagram they would relate on so many more things than just a little fringe of politics on the outside so um taylor give us an insight into your world as someone who gives no insights or signs as to <laughs> who you vote for how you vote which party you believe in uh, yeah <laughs> uh oh weird all of my technology is failing brandon i'm sorry i gotta go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see um i don't even know how to begin because they're okay so there's like there's a lot to what you just brought up to not only somebody's political leanings but somebody's view of society and view of what society needs and view of like how these individual people are going to serve those societal needs so it's not just about politics like i i always see it as very very layered and i see it as completely like we almost forget because of our hierarchical systems that even though we you know need I'll, I'll say that lightly but we need a leader we need somebody in charge in the hierarchy they're still just a human being and i love thinking about that and i also hate thinking about that because like that one human being especially this most recent one has just like caused so many uproars all over the place i've never met the dude before i have no idea what he's like and so in terms of politics my opinion on politics in general instead of just saying instead of where i lean one way or the other is to just say that it's conflated into this gigantic i'll call it like a circus tent where it's like there's a ton of stuff going on inside the tent but we only see the tent and our access to the tent like our ticket to the circus show is through social media or through the news or through Donald Trump's tweets or something like that. We don't know what's true. I mean, a lot of, like a lot of things people can figure out and then it's, then it can be confirmed and true, whatever. But my whole life, I've always just seen the circus tent, not really knowing what's actually going on on a daily basis in the white house or in Congress or in the Senate or anything like that. So <clears throat> I think, Overall, my stance on that is one of that sort of like humble acceptance that I don't actually know what's going on, that I'm recognizing that it's hard for me. I'll, I'll say this, honestly, and I wonder if a lot of people could relate to this. It's really hard for me to form an opinion. I've never intentionally formed an opinion in politics of like one way or another, because people and regimes and campaigns and things always change for the better or worse. And so I just, I think I've always defaulted to that reminder that I don't actually know so much. And I, there's so much more I could research to form a better opinion. <laughs> and some people will say that that's a cop-out answer, but really it's like, mm, I've just focused on other things in my life that I'm in, that I'm more interested in, yeah. in politics. Yeah. But whenever something political happens, especially this year, when it's just been politics, politics, politics shoved in our faces, I'm always thinking on the human level mm -hmm. of just like, what are they going through? Like what's, you know, like 
what's happening with them. How do they feel? I'm such a psychologist. Like, how do they feel day to day? Like, I thought the other day, this is such a weird thought, but, and I'm sure so many people would never care to think about this, but I was like, when Donald Trump wakes up in the morning, what is his first thought? You know, like, what's he thinking about? What's he thinking about when he goes to bed? Is he sleeping at night? Like, is he even stressed? Some people will say that he just doesn't care at all, but you know, I just wonder, like, does he wake up and is just like dreading everything? Or does he wake up thinking like, eh, I got this. This is no big deal. Mm. Or does he wake up just as confused as everybody else in the world about what the heck to do? Exactly. I, I, I like that question because that's the thing I'm always trying to figure out and, and, and not, not dig into, but the thing I'm just always curious about, I should say, when I meet anyone who's in the, or, or if I've witnessed anyone that's in the public eye, that, is, that has a, a lot of power, that has a lot of influence over people, especially someone or anyone that has the ability to influence very strong emotions in people, especially anger. There seems to be the year of anger. Uh, and and I, I, I love anger. I think anger is a fantastic emotion if it's used effectively and cleanly. Very different from rage. Mm. But that's the, you know, I, I want to know what's the, what's the fun, what's the operating system going on below? What are the set of beliefs that someone adopted when they were little, which is where most of our beliefs come from, whether you agree, whether you agree with me or not, I can argue with you to the cows come home. That's where most of our beliefs are deep rooted from is when we're little kids. Oh yeah. Which trees have to grow from something. They have to grow from something. It's the environment we're raised in and who raised us in those environments. And so I, I want to know the operating system. What were those fundamental beliefs that little Joe Biden or little Donald Trump adopted from a young age that gave them their belief system of the world, that gave them their lens to look through of the world? I, I love, uh, there's a, a quote from one of the original founders of the Mankind Project. Uh, <laughs> he says, uh, he goes, my idea of a men's group where we can really get down to business is drop your pants and pull out your bank statements because you'll get to, <laughs> you'll get to the root of most of the sh either shame or deeper upsetting emotions <laughs> that someone's going to causes them to act out in any, some form or fashion uh, in the world. And I always laugh when I hear that, just drop your pants and throw down your bank statements. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> then we'll get to the, the, then we'll get to the issue, get to the real issue of what's causing right. men to be such buttheads. <laughs> uh, -huh. I love that. I love that you brought that up. I had a feeling you were going to that quote because obviously I've, I've heard that before too, but uh, I love that you brought that up in the scope of politics. <laughs> that idea, immediate, just no bridge, just went right to that. Yeah. But um, I mean, but in in all seriousness, what you're really touching on too is like how to get back to the source, mm. like the simplified source of things. Because, like I said, in the conflation of the news and opinions and rage, for sure. I mean, rage is such a giant it becomes such a giant emotion so quickly. And so if people are channeling their rage into social media or podcasts or even things like this, like you and I are just contributing to the noise right now. It's whether or not people listening to this actually find value yeah. that makes it a worthwhile contribution to all of it. Mm -hmm. And you and I are not rageful people. And so 
a lot of these very intense and scary and uncomfortable emotions that people feel this whole year just feed the aggrandizement mm. of the issues. Yeah. I'm not saying there aren't issues, but I'm saying we're just, we, there's a lot of things that have inflated the issues so much more through mm. social media and the news and blah, blah, blah. So I like hearing that you think in the same way that I do of just like, okay, let's just like, like, you know, deflate the balloon a little bit, bring it back down to like where this all started, yeah. you know, like both for the people in politics, like the senators and congressmen and women and, and the presidents themselves, but also just for the people who have such outspoken and intense opinions about mm-hmm. politics too. Cause I know where my opinions about politics didn't start, <laughs> you know, yeah. and but for a lot of people, they were raised with very intense opinions. And so it is getting back to that basic, that source level. Yeah. And that's what people come to us for because you've had clients come to you angry at the world. I've had clients come to me angry at the world, but this thing that they, 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 they set up as the bad guy, you know, this is the bad guy that's, that's causing all my problems and my pain and, you know, my missus leaving me and you know, the dog dying and yada, and like the whole country song, they blame that one thing. And then just through a series of unpacking and asking some questions and a method, it gets to, well, no, this is just the thing that you're choosing to hold the energy of where that anger is coming from. Yeah. You're just choosing this to be the bad guy because we, we we're, we're raised to believe that there's good guys and bad guys. There's no in between. There has to be a bad guy for me my life to have purpose. I have to be fighting for a team so that the bad guys lose. And so it's so natural in politics to be like, okay, well, my whole life I was raised conservative. So growing up, it was the liberals that I was like, they're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. That was just automatically. My, that was my belief system automatically mm-hmm. me good then bad. And so the lens that I see anything they say, anything they do, be it, positive or negative it's only going to be seen through that lens of bad guys (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is sad which is a shame which cuts me off from 50 percent of the population and being able to connect with them yeah it's madness absolute madness yeah yeah oh my gosh i have so much to say to that (laughs) i love it here we go brandon down the rabbit hole um the first thing I'll say to that is that, you know, I wrote, I wrote a speech um, a while back and wrote this whole like content plan for this thing, this concept that from the very beginning, there's always been this sense of competition and it's ingrained in us evolutionarily to be thinking like, I need to survive versus that person. That's the most basic source code of any animal of just, I should survive. And that's important. Let's focus on that. Mm. And, but now that we are such an independent and self-conscious society of, of species, we can control sort of (laughs) our survival a little bit more over other species and over the world. Like we've taken a lot more control Mm. in a lot of different ways over the planet for better or worse. But that drive and that competitive drive has always been there. Yeah. And so if it's part of our programming and then we are taught a certain belief system or we're taught 
a certain way of behaving or a way of, especially, you know, academically growing up, mm -hmm. you got to compete with your, your peers so that you get into the better college. Very rarely do parents tell you why that's important. What's the point of that? So you're just pushed into a competition. You're pushed onto the soccer field, mm -hmm. the metaphorical soccer field, even though I did play soccer, uh, the metaphorical soccer field to just compete and feel like you have to be like in a frenzy competing all the time, which means that you automatically associate villains somewhere. And so if you're, I think there's this, there's an allegory in a movie called Arrival. If any of you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. Where um, in the game of Mahjong, there was like this, I'm not going to go into the movie, but like there's this allegory about how if you're teaching somebody how to learn new system using a game like Mahjong, it's like, it's like, this is the one good guy, which means everybody else must be bad guys. Mm -hmm. And I totally botched the reference of that movie, but like, that's basically what it's saying of just like, if you think of yourself as the good guy, then you need a yin to your yang. You need that opposite in order to mm -hmm. compare yourself to compare how good you are because you need a bad guy to compare your goodness to yeah right and so and so i know so many people like looping this back around i know so many people who are competitive for no reason they like they don't care about their job yeah they don't care they don't care about even like the health and wellness of their relationships or their extended family or like their impact on the world. They just have this drive that it's like, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. And it's almost like that's the only thing that they care about. Yeah. I, I can speak to the example you're talking to personally. Because I, when we met, when we met, we met through a CrossFit gym and I told them what I'm about when I got to know the team there and they said, you need to get to know Taylor. He's one of our members. He did some workshops for us. He's amazing. He seems to have a lot of the similar interests. And so right off the bat, we, we started texting and then Taylor was like, yeah, let's get together, have a coffee. And I just disappeared. I instantly, before I'd even met him and heard what he was about, hearing he was doing these amazing things, before I'd even met you, I was comparing and, and I felt like that there could be competition afoot. Mm. It, it's so interesting. And, and it's so interesting that you, that in my judgment that you don't have that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's admirable. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's the more I learn that life isn't a zero sum game, the easier that's becoming. But I think that in itself is a habit. Mm hmm. To, to be naturally competitive, I think is some, uh, environmentally raised in us. I was raised in a very, went to an old boys private school. I mean, how, how, how rough and raw do we want to get? <laughs> how, to how toxic do we want to talk <laughs> when it comes to competitiveness? That it's, it's, that, it's those environments that encourage this idea that, you know, I'm going to be the winner and people have to lose in order for me to win. Mm -hmm. which is sad. It, it really is sad that that's a, that that's a belief system. And it's something that I am still kind of like wringing the tail out to, to understand it's a part of my process. It, it, it's becoming dangerous in my judgment. It's becoming really dangerous yeah. to, to the, the fact that 50% of the country thinks the other 50% have to lose 
and not get their way whatsoever. And if the other, and if that 50% gets their way, then we're doomed is the message yeah. being spread. We're doomed. Guess what people preparing for the 2020 election. It's happened every four years. <laughs> so long as there's been a president. <laughs> yeah. Every four years. So long as there's been a president of the United States, just saying, we might just be in a little bit of a bubble right now. Not to say that what's happening, what two sides are fighting for are unimportant, but we've got a lot of years of history behind us. We evolve and adapt. That's what we have to do. We don't always get our choice. We don't always get our pick in life. Mm-hmm. One thing we can control though, is our own beliefs, not just our party's beliefs, our own constitution, not just our country's constitution our own habits, our own rituals, our own beliefs of who we are and our value, not what our party validates us to be. Anyway. Well said. No, I like that. It's giving it, giving it a pause. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Collecting so dude, my thoughts. Well, hold on, hold on. I got a response. <laughs> I like the way that you said that that it can be dangerous to be like myopically competitive because if you don't, I talk about this all the time in my work and it is kind of a yin yang kind of thing or, you know, just the the play of opposites for whatever culture or belief system you're in. But um, you have to have a combo of both because like, it's true. I am not intrinsically a like confrontational or competitive person. I've had to learn a lot of that and I've been competitive in sports, but I don't then, you know, turn that into like rage and anger kind of thing that then like dictates the rest of my life. However, and like, even though I'm super happy about that and that's super positive, that's been really a very positive element of my personality. It's also disserved me. Because when I started my own company, and now it's almost six years into having my own business, there are so many things that require this like in, intrinsic hunger and this intrinsic drive to be successful as an entrepreneur, to keep the business going, especially if you're doing it on your own. And I've had to like really learn that. I've had to really like foster that drive because I didn't have that innately. People like yourself, you act so quickly. You're just like constantly trying things. Right? When you know, like you can you can flip over a business in a week if you wanted to, and try something else. Granted, that has a downside too of like of focus. Yeah. But my point in all of this is that there is no one there's no one correct way because every human being needs to have a balance of the opposites. Mm. We need to be able to slow down and be humble and be competitive and advocate for ourselves and stand up for ourselves and more firm Mm. other times too. And so, you know, that's why there's like this whole counter culture going on this year about love and acceptance, going back to what you said before, like, Mm. let's just bring the love back in, you know, (laughs) before the election even happens, let's just bring the love back in. And, and, and I think there is this hunger for, connecting with people there's no question there's a hunger for connecting with people obviously because we're all so disconnected and virtual but i think with these things that make people so angry too people also 
I think deep down, a lot of people want to be able to sit down in a conversation like this and actually hear the other person's point instead of having to hear it blasted through a megaphone or blasted on Twitter or in an Instagram live or something like that, where there's no real context and you're not connected to the person. Or a presidential debate. <laughs> or a presidential debate. Absolutely. Honestly, like there's so much, here's a, here's a political opinion. <laughs> when, when I watch any of the political debates or when I watch any of the debates, all the topics, some of the things like, you know, I didn't really watch the ones this year because I knew what was going to happen. And you were the real winner. <laughs> Thank you. I'm much happier. That's for sure. Um, but just like the types of topics that are traditionally brought up in a debate are things that we're not even like thinking much about this year because a lot of like the social unrest and then of course the environmental disasters and the pandemic, those are not normal political things when you're thinking about being a world leader. And so it's just, it's, yeah, it's just this reminder of like, what can we really be talking about? Let's connect on a deeper level. Mm. Let's actually hear these kind of like you and I are doing. Let's just hear these opinions on a more, magnified level instead of an amplified level mm -hmm. less noise is what i'm hearing yeah. you say less, that should less be noise. that should be the name of the show <laughs> uh, empty just rhetoric and empty platitudes and just yeah it, it, it's it's getting to a point where it's slimy it almost feels slimy when I try and look back in and be like all right well, what's happening in australia because every now and then i like to make sure that my country's not on fire. So I <laughs> check in and I, and I cannot get any reliable information as to what's happening. Mm -hmm. Any reliable information. Um, what I will say though, because I think the last thing I want our time together to be is just a, a chance to show how polished and worldly and calm we are <laughs> in the world and, and how we handle things so masterfully. Mm -mm. I'm a white belt in more things than I am a black belt. Um, I did, I did find something pretty disturbing, pretty disturbing, uh, is I've been hearing a lot of people out. I'm in Tennessee and, and so it's, it's a traditionally a more red state. And I've been hearing a lot of people say that, you know, COVID's not that bad. It's not that bad as people are saying, like, you know, it's all misinformation and, and, and stuff. And so I, I did some of my own research, which all of it's, all of my own research is questionable. I'll just say that up front. Because people are asking me how are things in Australia all the time. And I was like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I may as well have a look. And in Australia, 900, 903 people have passed due to complication directly from COVID or related to COVID. And in America, it's 218,000. So 900 to 218,000. That concerns me. Mm. As, as, as a US citizen, that concerns me. And it concerns me more on the level of the, what to me seems like denial. Because everyone says, oh, well, Australia is a smaller country. And I'm like, yeah, but Australia's population isn't one 240th of America's. It's one sixteenth. One sixteenth. And, and so those numbers are really frightening. And I hate to think that someone like my grandmother, who I'm very fortunate to still have with me, with a predisposed lung condition, an issue, having survived pneumonia, that, 
you know, that, that it could be someone just saying, you know, well, it's not an issue and then drags their kid to a, you know, shopping center, a kid coughs on a shopping cart and my grandma gets it. it it's concerning. And I, I don't like the, the lack of disregard for me, what it, what it's, what it, what it comes up as is a lack of disregard for others. You mean and, a lack of regard? Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. A lack of regard, a lack of regard because dude, I hate them. I hate putting that mask on every time I go into a store. I hate putting it on, but guess what? It's not like we're in 1943 in London getting shelled by Germans. People have put up with worse. People have survived worse. People have moved past things, mm-hmm. tougher things and been, and, and grown from it and, and, and learned that we never want the world to get to that kind of place again. Yet something like just putting on a mask for the sake of the old lady in the corner, just trying to do her shopping. <laughs> you know, that, that's something I'm having, I, I'm trying to come to, come to come to grips with in terms with, obviously without getting too stuck in the rabbit hole trying not to look at it from a political lens, from an emotional lens, just from an objective lens saying, America is not the shining gold standard as I was raised to it to believe of, you know, not the, not the best in education, (laughs) not the best in road safety, not the best in healthcare response. So it's, it's, it's just uh, this reality check. It almost feels like Mm -hmm. it seems like, so tying that all back, I just wish we could get back to realizing that we're the same species. Yeah. <laughs> How can we help <laughs> each other survive right now? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, to the first part <clears throat> of what you shared, I'm, I'm also fortunate that I have not lost anyone to COVID. Mm. Um, I know people who have had it, um, and it showed in different ways. So that perpetuates the nervousness and angst, the low level nervousness and angst in me of just like, have I had it? Will I have it? What is it going to look like? How's my body going to react? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm extremely fortunate that no one in my family, um, has experienced it, but I have a friend in New York who saw the bodies get loaded into the ice truck you know and and then that video gets shared on the news too and even people who see the news are like and it's not real fake news right or it's somehow like a recording from something else and i and by no means am i making any kind of correlation to 9-11 but all that i'm correlating is the psychological thing of seeing something Mm. on the news that you are not right there with, unless you had somebody there, you know, like the most intense opinions come from the people who know or have some kind of personal connection to the toll or to the impact of, of, um, of COVID. And even, even a client of mine who was living in Spain, you know, like she doesn't know anybody who's passed away from it, but like, she was highly affected by COVID because of all the travel restrictions and she had to make it back here and then was unemployed. And like her entire life has been thrown up into this crazy upheaval for reasons other than having the virus itself. So unless there's some kind of personal connection, 
there is a, it's so easy for us humans to have a disconnect, to have that cognitive dissonance from it. Because like you were saying before, like you were hinting at before, we are habitual animals in the best and worst ways. Our brains are constantly looking for the easiest way for us to survive. And for a lot of people, keeping those belief systems from long ago, both political or emotional or what have you, is the easiest way to just keep living life because it's hard to make change. And so for a lot of the people who do not think that it's real or that it's a big deal or that it's not actually as serious as it seems or what have you, or is criticizing Australia (laughs) or something like that, they're locked in to this habit, this thought habit, even if they're, I mean, I totally grant, even if they're secretly scared, Mm -hmm. even if at night when they turn the light off and they're by themselves, they don't want to admit it, but they're like scared of getting COVID or they're scared of the world falling apart or scared of who the next president will be, what have you. They're presenting things in such an overly habituated way that it's coming off as so dispassionate and inconsiderate and discourteous that it is, I agree with you, I'm shocked by that sort of flagrant discourtesy from a lot of people just to, just to think about another human being. That's well said. Very, very well said. I feel like everything you just shared completely aligns with the same discomfort I feel with, with what, what seems to be the hot topic of this year, you know, this portion of history, this epoch in our, in our time <laughs> as sapiens yeah. on this planet. It's, yeah, it, 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 it's hurtful. It, 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 it's, it's very hurtful to see just the pain in that. And something that, that, that upsets me even, even more so, and it upsets me because I'm guilty of it, is not being able to back up something that gets shouted from a rooftop or through a megaphone or at a crowd, or at someone that's different from me. I have a mentor that was, he was so good at this and he used to rattle me. I almost didn't want to go to seek his guidance anymore because he he had my number dialed. I would say something about my opinion of the world and he'd say, oh, cool, how do you know that? And I'd be like, "Ah, well, uh, mum said it. Oh, how does she know? But, you know, and I've I've been doing that only with people that I, you know, that I actually respect and care about and in a way that isn't, isn't a trap to ask them. So I'm curious, uh, what makes you say that? How do you know that? Now, first of all, if they, if they say everyone knows it, eh. if they say thing told me, eh. if they say Fox News or MSNBC, said it big ant <laughs> you, you said before the people in new york that saw the bodies getting loaded into the ice trucks they were there they're the opinions we should be hearing from and i personally don't want to hear 
someone's opinion of how they think the world should be run when they haven't left their county ever in their life. When they haven't seen the rest of the 7 billion people on this planet live differently than they do. If they haven't accepted the fact that their way isn't the only way. And unfortunately, that's where I believe most of the noise is coming from. People who haven't traveled or seen anywhere different from where they've been raised, who they hang out with, and who has different beliefs in them. It, that's where the noise comes from in my judgment. And that's what grinds my gears. <laughs> sure. And that's the irony. I always think mm. about it in terms of sight in terms of our our vision because mm. what you're what you're hinting at is that the, uh, so much noise comes from people with very narrow vision mm. and or potentially narrow vision again i don't know them yeah like by no means am i trying to pontificate that like my word is law yeah. and these people that you're talking about are wrong <laughs> either and but you know, I was just listening to, to an audiobook this morning that was talking about the impact of whether you choose to or not going to another culture, mm. even if it's like on a layover in a different country and you have a 10 hour layover and you leave the airport, you step outside and see other people or see the new street, see the new sign. It does something to your brain. And if you want it to, it can be extremely cathartic and it opens you up and it sparks creativity and it's inspirational and blah, blah, blah. But on the most fundamental level, it expands your mind because you're literally, your vision has to expand. You're in an unfamiliar territory. You're in an unfamiliar place and you have to take in a lot more information. Yeah. The more information you have and the more exposure you have and the more expanded your eyes are, the more you can ha be open to more of a conversation. You can be open to change if change yeah. is needed, but you're more open to just considering, oh, got it. Those people live yeah. differently than I do. Yes. Yes. Got that it. The Middle East looks different than my little, my farmland or, or my, my city here. Yeah. My Starbucks on the corner. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this reminds me of one of the episodes of the Mankind Project podcast that I was, that I hosted where we started talking, I had two men of color come on and we started talking about difference. Where's it coming from? Where's the, where's the lack of understanding? And mm -hmm. none of us could give a clear, short, coherent answer. But by the end of it, we had a pretty firm un belief that it comes down to willingness, willingness, because I've heard it time and time again, and I've said it myself, I will own it and say it myself, is that I've said, everyone's equal. All people are the same. I don't see someone's color. Bull, bull, because somewhere deep down, there are some deeper, there's some deep rooted programming from either my environment or my, race or my upbringing that I judge someone based on their difference. Mm -hmm. it's only natural and some of us don't aren't some of us are so afraid so afraid and so ill-equipped to process shame and understand shame and our own mm -hmm. shame that we turn those judgments into arrows or we double down on the negative behavior in, in a way to kind of like 
all right, well, if I'm the asshole, then I'll be the biggest asshole there is. <laughs> mm-hmm. We double down on it. And it's this, it's this, at the end of the episode, the, the, the thought that came to my mind is, well, I've said for the majority of my life is, oh, my door is always open to some of a dip, someone of difference. My door is always open to someone, you know, from African descent or Latino descent. My door is always open. But the real question is, how prepared and willing am I to leave my white picket fence, my boundary, yeah. and enter into someone else's world mm-hmm. to see what the lens might look like from their eyes, to see what the world might look like from their lens? Mm-hmm. until I'm willing to do that, I don't have a right. And this is my, obviously we have a right to say whatever we want. Freedom, freedom of speech. That's, that's America in, to a T, but I really haven't earned in my judgment, the right to say anything about how they should think, how they should feel, how they should act, how they should behave in the world until I'm willing to get out of my white picket fence boundary and go into someone else's neighborhood and see how they live. So mm-hmm. I agree with you hundred percent that once you travel and see the world and i've been very lucky we've been lucky to see how people live differently once that happens it's like more space opens up in the brain to be able to accept difference and accept that there's a different way Mm -hmm. to raising a family to religious beliefs to i mean just make a list Mm -hmm. if we could get back to that understanding i feel like there's so much more room for acceptance I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Drop your expensive mic. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that for anyone who's watching that, that's my anger. That's a way I like to process anger Mm -hmm. is to speak it that way. And guess what? There's time to smash a pillow, you know, there's a time to do that, but really as you know, you and I are very much the same. Like we like to look at anger and give it the space it needs and not just let it come out as rage all the time. Mm-hmm. So yes, that was a very, that was anger. <laughs> I bet that felt good. Hope you guys aren't quivering in your boots. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I mean, the, the funny thing is you get more, you get more impassioned than I do. People don't normally see me. It's very rare that people will see me get really like enraged or impassioned about certain things. So when I do, it like shocks people. (laughs) So that would definitely make people quiver in their boots if I like went into a huge rage tirade. Um, Okay, so my challenge now on the next episode of Two Dudes That Coach Stuff. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) On the next episode of Two Dudes That Coach Stuff, Taylor gets mad. You just like... I just hulk out. Yeah. You're just like, yeah. <laughs> and, you're like, oh, shoot. And, you're, and you're like, I'm sorry, Brandon. I'm sorry you had to see that. I'm sorry you had to. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. Let's start over. Let's start over. Oh, man. Well, dude, I, I, I have to say, I am so grateful for our friendship. I am so grateful for our difference. I am so grateful for just the, the time that we've been able to share together, not just today, but ever since we became friends. And 
the, the unpacking just keeps continuing and it just keeps going. And I really admire the fact that you really don't allow the external world. I mean, you and my judgment are the shining example of someone who doesn't allow the chaos of what's happening around us to impact your center, to, to truly rattle you. Where you, you, it seems you've accepted that, guess what? Everything is chaos. I'm chaos. You're chaos. But the one thing that you, the things that you do have control over are your actions, reactions, and your mindset. And so, um, kudos to you, man. I really admire that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's like the unspoken, <clears throat> it's my unspoken goal uh, just to keep it, just to keep an objective point of view on things as much as possible. Uh, because Brandon, you and I are just humans too. You and I are just part of the chaos in the universe. And, you know, going on what you were just saying, like none of us, there's no such thing as perfect and none of us are perfectly accepting difference ever. Mm -hmm because of that competitive piece that we talked about before, there's always some kind of judgment on some kind of level that there's a good guy and a bad guy, excuse me, or there's some kind of villain. And what I think, which I'm pretty sure is the case for you, but I know is my obsession. Like people, people will ask like, what do you, what do you do in your free time? But like my, my absolute obsession in life is the fact that, self-reflection and self-awareness and self-acceptance is an endless pursuit, an absolutely endless process of just digging, Mm -hmm. continuing to dig and continuing to dig. And the the perfect metaphor for it is that the more you dig, the more roots you dig up. And the more roots that get exposed, the more painful it can be. The deeper you are and the harder it is to climb back up. And so just, I think a lot of my mantras in life come from the fact that you can always keep digging. So many people are choosing to stay on the surface and not dig. And I also, you and I work with a ton of people who dig pretty far and then they get nervous and have no idea where else to dig. They don't know where to go next, but they're already stuck underground. Um, And so the digging always continues. And I think that's going to be a point of these kinds of episodes for us too, that like this is exploration for us to continue digging and to help others continue digging, but also give, tell people that it's okay to keep digging, that you're never done. It's okay to just keep needing to work on yourself or on your acceptance or whatever it may be. Drop your mic. (laughs) yeah beautiful well said well said that the the digging never ends and and the second that i or anyone thinks that the digging is done there's gonna be a a, there's gonna be a a wake-up call that's either in the form of a touch of a feather or a kick to the nuts (laughs) Uh (laughs) knowing you it's probably going to be the latter (laughs) but oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) For those of us that choose to, yeah, always rush and do things quickly and get things done ASAP and that are, uh, that are impatient, yeah, those types, yes. It's usually yes. a kick between the legs. You need a hard <laughs> slap or a kick. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, mate, great to spend this time with you. Thank you for those that have joined us today. That has been episode one of 
insert working title here. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brandon. This was a lot of fun. Hope everybody enjoyed it. All right. See you guys.